This is the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show number 55, our Star Wars spoiler-free special edition. Now Gungan and Ewok free. This time, Walt Schnabel, author of Blood Club, stops by to talk with us about The Force Awakens, why Star Wars and mythology is so important to kids, and the power of storytelling. And, as always, whenever Walt and I are in the room together, we always talk about ancient aliens and conspiracy theories. But trust me, by the end of the show, we'll tie it all together. Usually, I start this show by reading our ads, but I'll save them for later in the show. But you can visit our sponsors via this show's unique page, thefedorachronicles.com slash podcast slash episode dash 55.html. I know that's a, that's a mouthful. But you could just go to thefedorachronicles.com slash radio to find the links to that page. That's where you're going to find our show notes, too. We're featuring links to many of the things that we're discussing in this podcast that you can find reference to in this show. So anyway, I'm going to get right into it with Walt Schnabel, author of Blood Club, talking about Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and a whole bunch of other things before we go off the rails. Enjoy. As I said before, this is the Fedora Chronicles radio show, number 55, our Star Wars special, Gluten and Gungan and Ewok Free edition. How about Sith Free? <laughs> yeah, Sith Free. Now made with real pumpkin spice flavor. And I have the privilege of sitting down once again with Walt Schnabel. Walt Schnabel has been a guest on the Fedora Chronicles radio show twice now, once to promote his book, uh, Blood Club, and then once again with his friend Jim, Jim Loretta, um, um, The Power of Feng Shui. And today we're talking about a different power. We're talking about uh, the power of the force here. And Walt called me up and he said, I really want to do a show about Star Wars and why it's important and why it's important to kids. Of, um, of all people, it's it's important to kids. So, um, so Walt, um, let's get started with. Well, first of all, to, um, tell us about your career with children, your career in kids, and what who are you, and what did you do before you became a world famous author? Well, world famous is is, is probably a bit of a stretch, Eric. But uh, um, now, hold on a second. Now, if you may, I, I would go with maybe locally famous. Well, hold on a second here. Now, you you've been a guest on the Fedora Chronicles radio show. We have links to your books on the Fedora Chronicles main site, and we have listeners all over the world. We even have one listener in, in Antarctica. So if you follow the logic, you are world famous. That's true. I, I, I can't argue with that or, logic. Or at least people know you all over the world. I think before we start to talk about Star Wars per se, which is, which is what we probably really want to get to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the basis of Star Wars and, and the storytelling behind it. Right, and, but, and what, but before you go any, any further, okay. you and your career, before, why do you have an authority on talking about kids and child development? Okay. We'll go, we'll, what I'm trying to say is, what did you do before you retired? Okay. I, actually, as, as we talked earlier, I'm, I'm really not retired. I'm just rebooted. Um, I worked for a good portion of my life with children as um, as a teacher and then in the latter stages of my career the last 10 years um, I worked as a behavior specialist um, and and what I found during that time was that 
children, by and large, are looking for something to help them navigate the world. Right. Uh, some kids do that a little easier than others. Uh, my area was schools, but but it also branched out and in, sometimes into the larger picture with, with kids' lives and their families and things like that. Um, but kids are, are looking for something to help them make sense of things. Right. And during the course of that time, I, I understood that children needed something that they didn't have, that they, they weren't either supplied with at home or they didn't have necessarily innately. And, and they needed to understand that their self-worth was what was really important. And, and that sometimes school doesn't always make kids feel worthy, and especially if they're not great students or right. they don't fit the, the mold that school asks kids to fit into. Then they start to feel really bad about themselves. And that starts early on. It probably starts in kindergarten, um, and then it just gradually progresses if, if it's not dealt with in some way. Right. And then you end up with kids in middle school that are just totally turned off to school and, and yeah, don't want yeah. to go to school anymore and cause trouble. And and there, in, in my experience, there really are no bad kids. There are just kids that just don't fit the mold and don't know how to fit the mold. Right, right. And, and so my job as a behavior specialist, I felt, was not to level punishment on kids, which a lot of people wanted. It was more to, to help them make better choices. And, and when they encountered a situation where it didn't go well for them, develop a strategy that would help it go better the next time. So you're an authority on this topic. I, I, I guess what you could would have called yourself as a, a child behavioral specialist. Yeah, my wife always asked me, you know, we'd talk about different kids and, and why they were doing what they were doing and that kind of thing. And she would say, well, well how do you get them to you know, to respond when they're so angry or so whatever. And I would say, well, I'm a, I'm a kid whisperer. Yeah, yes. Which is, which is really what I was. And I know that's kind of a cliche, but. Right. Um, right. The dog whisperer and the horse whisperer and right. stuff. But, but what it really comes down to is, is getting kids to trust you. Yep. And, and, I, and I, I saw a, a documentary, I guess, on a guy that actually was a horse whisperer. Mm -hmm. and, and he would work with horses that had been either had their spirit broken or were were so um wild that nobody would could get near them you know they just bite and kick and right and and he had a he had a he had a wand which was kind of like a magic wand really and it had a feather on the end of it and and he would just gradually approach the horse and of course initially the horse was ready to kick him or bite him or whatever right and he would eventually just gain the horse's confidence very very gradually and just delicately touch the horse with a feather from a distance and then eventually he could get to the point where he could get close enough to touch the horse with his hand and eventually gain the horse's trust and and he he said something very telling there was only one horse in all of his time working with you know in in this field that he couldn't change and that horse had been been beaten so badly and hurt so bad by humans that there was there was nothing he could do, um, and and I, in some sense, I I, I encountered kids like that. Yeah, that had been beaten down so badly by their family and by society and and by the school, um, that that it was really hard to get near them. Right. Um, 
but I almost always could. Yeah. But I, but I would start out by gaining their confidence and, and yeah. letting them know that I that I was okay. I wasn't gonna I, yeah. I wasn't gonna hurt them. I wasn't gonna do anything bad to them that they didn't want to do. I was just gonna make them feel better about themselves, basically. And and it, a lot of it was playing started by playing a game with them. Right. Kids are kids, you know. When you when you get past all of the gyrations that they go through and all that, they're really just kids. So you know what you're talking about. I think o- so. Obviously, I, think I, I learned through experience. Well, you know? I, I, in in the in the realm of of um, uh, child behavior specialists, you're mm-hmm. smarter than the average bear, obviously, because you obviously. I mean, you can't. I mean, first of all, you're knowledgeable. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to blow smoke up your skirt. No, I know. But I understand. I, but I understand what, what I'm saying. what I'm saying is is that um, a you know what you're talking about. And B, you genuinely care, and I think that you are—you're you're one of the rare people who you're, you're a triple threat. You're—you—you um, you care, you have the knowledge, and in many ways, um, Walt. And I, I don't mean this as you know pejorative. You're still pretty much a kid at heart, too. I am. I am. Yeah. yeah I think that's why I did so well with kids exactly. because I, ne- I never lost the sense of my own childhood, my own. Um, Childhood, the joy of being a child, I think, yeah, is is never has never totally left me. And I also think that, and this is where we're getting into the topic of of today's show, is that um, you, um, I don't want, I don't know how to say this without saying sounding weird. So I'm just going to kind of come out and say it. Um, uh, You actually used the Star Wars movies as a teaching tool. Um, I did, and 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 the thing is, is that you we would go into your office and you had um, just shelves of Star Wars toys and paraphernalia and um, all sorts of stuff, and that was always a way that kids could connect with you. I remember when my first, when my son first said, "Oh, hey, I let, I met Mr. Schnabel today," and, and Dad, you you would love um, uh, Mr. Schnabel's office because he's obviously crazier about Star Wars than you are. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably true, uh, or or maybe even crazier than than you are. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, but that's okay. Crazy's okay. I'm I'm good with crazy. I I I found early on, you know, that that it was a connection I had with with kids because, um, oddly enough, Star Wars really resonates with kids. And I, I say oddly, I guess it's really not odd. But um, what I found was that kids, on some level feel a connection with Star Wars right that I don't think is really intellectual even because I don't think they all really understand the you know the, the complicated premise behind it right um, I think it just and, it, and it's not really about the action even the you know the the starfighters and space the, battles yeah and the and the, the Jedi battling Sith warriors with with um, laser swords and um, it, it's really it's really something deeper than that 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 resonates with kids that they understand on a on a primal level I think right um, and they they understand the the mythology behind it and and that's you know what one of the things I want I wanted to get why do you think kids connect so much with Star Wars and not any other franchise that I can think of well clearly Lucas understood mythology yeah um, when he wrote the initial Star Wars and and I think all of the all the sequels from here on out um, even up hope I'm hoping up to the newest one which is about to come out fairly soon um, 
so I have I have great hope that he you know that although Disney has now purchased the rights to it, I I was initially um, a little bit dismayed by that because right. Disney has a tendency to sort of cuten things up and and sometimes lose the depth. Um, so, but from everything I'm hearing, the, the movie is is even Steven Spielberg has given it a thumbs up. So yeah, that's a pretty pretty good person to you know he 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 knows good when he when he sees it. So right, with the exception of batteries not included. <laughs> well, you know, everybody, everybody makes mistakes. But I think Lucas understands good storytelling. Um, good storytelling, for my money, and, and I am a writer, so I've I've studied storytelling. Right. Um, is is mytho- mythologically based. Uh, all good stories have mythology as the as the as the underpinnings of, of the story. Um, and do you, do you want to get into talking a little bit about mythology, or of do you course. want to stay of on course. the? Uh, no, I mean we can get back to to why Star Wars resonates. Well, with well, for, well first well first of all, um, right right I'm only the host of this show. You called up and you said you you're on a mission. You want to talk about right. this whole thing, right. and part of it was was mythology. And I think that you cannot talk about how effective Star Wars is without talking about the mythology. What right. what is it about mythology outside of Star Wars or beyond Star Wars that is so important? Well, if you if you delve into mythology, which which I have um, pretty extensively. Um, you'll understand that, um, and, and I know that you probably are aware of these concepts, Eric. But I, I don't know how in depth your listeners, your in depth their knowledge is of mythology. Yeah. And I know that you probably, I'm sure you have a well-read and learned audience. Sure. Um, but people have all heard of mythology. They, you know, most people, I think, think of it as these old stories that have come down through the ages, and they have some parable attached to them. But the, but they're not. They're 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 trumped up, sort of, that they're kind of made up things. Um, but I'm not sure that that's true. And, and I'll get to that in a, in a minute why I think that is. Um, but if you go back to, to, the, to, the, to the premise of mythology, um, and, and Carl Jung, mm-hmm. the, the, um, the psychologist, really one of the fathers of, of modern psychology anyway, um, he, he came up with a, with a notion of the collective unconscious. He was working in the early um, 20th century, I guess, late 19th century. And, and his notion was that there's a collective knowledge base that, that all people in the, in, the, in the human race share. And um, that is something that is kind of embedded in our DNA. I'm not, I'm not sure that he actually said it that way, but he, he, he recognized it. It's like it, mythology is in ourselves. Yeah, it's it's almost in our it's in our DNA. Yeah. Um, and and it's something that we don't really know consciously necessarily, but it's like you know it when you when you hear it. Right. You know, and there's something about it that just kind of sticks with you. Mm-hmm. And that's why some of these things that are temporal, you know, like Pokemon and stuff like that, they, they're appealing on a on a on a on a different level, mm-hmm. they they appeal on a more surface level, and, and it's okay. They're fun, and and they come and go, and that's okay. There's sure. nothing wrong with entertainment for entertainment, but right. I think real, true entertainment is is based in something a little deeper, and that's why I think Star Wars has had the the, the longevity that it has, and and resonates with people the way mm-hmm. it does. Um, now, the, the, now the next 
stage of, of mythology is is that in my study anyway is is Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm. who who studied mythology extensively. Um, he was a, a really brilliant guy. He was a, he was a college professor, um, and he wrote a book which I read pretty early on called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. Of course, of course. Um, it's, a, it's a classic. Uh, anybody who you know has, has studied anything in the field reads that. Um, and he, he, what he did was he studied the, the mythology of all of the native peoples around the world, mm-hmm. all the um, aboriginal people, that, sure. you know, aboriginal cultures, and, and came to the realization that all of those stories that they passed down from generation from, you know, by word of mouth, because of course they had, most of them had no writing, um, had very similar themes yeah. and, and similar characters. Um, and he, he, I'm not sure whether he coined the phrase um, archetypes. Yeah. Um, Young might have actually done that, but, but he certainly, you know, yep. brought that forward. And, and he realized that, um, all of these cultures had very similar storytelling methods or, or commonalities, I guess, and, and, and that these archetypes kept showing up over and over and over Like again. common rules. It, like um, every mythological story has the pr- main protagonist who's like basically a kid who's on a journey, like the hero's journey. Exactly. And then he meets a mentor, and then mm-hmm. they go on this trip for a while. At some point, the, the the mentor has to sort of like drop out or die or disappear or whatever and then the hero has to finish the journey exactly that's the basically the archetype i think joseph campbell was trying to talk about that's he he, he coined it the hero's journey yeah. actually that's an actual yeah. uh, phrase that he yeah. know, that he brought forward um, and there are facets in the hero's journey like you said that that are that are common um, you know the, the the one of the one of the things is the is the um, the awakening or the the, the call yeah um, where where the potential hero is receives a receives a message of some kind sometimes it's from nature sometimes it's from you know it could be various types of things but it's his his awakening that he's about to enter this this new world or this right. this new paradigm for for him you know yep. like in star wars it's luke luke gets the the holographic message from princess leila leia yeah and um that's his that's his call, call right. to action and, 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 and then yeah that's that's the message that he gets that yeah brings him into the next phase and it always seems to happen that the, there there's something that has to happen where the the main character has to leave home and the yeah. thing is is that home somehow something has to happen to home where he can never go back home until this journey is done and over with. Exactly. That always yeah. seems to happen as well. Mm-hmm. That's part of the whole process. Um, that many times the, the hero or the potential hero has to leave the safety yep. of the village. Yeah. And, and because there's, there's some kind of a call to action. Right. And it's usually some kind of a large problem that needs to, some threat. Right. Um, that needs to be addressed by by the hero and many times the hero as you said is a, is a boy or a girl or a, a young person who um, is is just beginning their journey in life right and and then they come to meet um, a mentor of some kind mm-hmm. which of course is what Yoda is when, when yep. Luke meets Yoda 
and that person is always a, a wise, you know, person that has some level of knowledge to impart to the to the hero yep. or the potential hero that um, that they need to use in their journey. It's mm-hmm. it's a weapon in 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 some sense. It's right. A, it's a, it's it's something they're going to use to combat the forces of darkness. Right. Which is what all good stories really come down to is the, the battle between light and dark. And we're talking about the, when we talk about the forces of darkness, we're talking about either um, a, a monster or a villain or some kind of antagonist that is always like insurmountable, like larger than life. And the the um, the more powerful the villain. Or the more powerful the antagonist is, the the larger the hero. The more, um, the better the hero is in the end. Right, and the better the story. Right. I mean, in essence, you know, you, you can have small stories too. You know, there, right. there's 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 really two two aspects to the struggle between light and dark. And and you noticed in in my first book, I used that. Yeah. I really used mythology in my first book. Right. Um, as as you know. Um, but but there's always the, the the outer struggle between light and dark, and there's the inner struggle, and we're, and we're all fighting that battle all the time. That's that's part of the human uh, condition yeah. is that we all have that choice to make. Um, nobody is born pure. Rarely are people born purely good or purely evil. Um, it's it's a series of choices that you make along the way. And, yeah. and as Yoda says, the the path to the dark side is through fear. Yeah. You know, you know the, the thing about Yoda is if you really look at his his some of his wisdom, it, it's really prophetic. It's it's really very very powerful. Right. Um, and and something to 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 live by. Yeah. Which again is what makes Star Wars such a powerful storytelling because it, it really allows people to think about um, what it what it takes to be a hero. And and heroes come in all shapes and sizes. Sure. Um you know, not not blowing my own horn, but I but I think to some kids, I was a hero. It made me feel like when when a kid could overcome an obstacle, yeah, with my help, and, and I really kind of played Yoda's role. Sometimes, I, as you noticed, I had Yoda in my office. And, as a matter of fact, your Yoda that used to be in your office is now sitting on my shelf because I gave it to Harrison, your your son. Exactly, yeah, so it was my sort of parting gift when I when I left. Exactly, um, and and. I told him what that meant, you know, and and I think he understood that. And, um, kids, kids get that. They they really do. They, kids have much less um, in the way. Of, right. They have less filters. You know, the older you get, the the or the more uh, mature you get. Maybe I guess. Uh, yeah. the, the more filters you develop, and and the more screening devices, and 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 the the more discreet your lens becomes, so exactly. that you only see certain things. That you only see kind of things that. Right, Maybe you're less painful. I'm not sure. It's also harder to lie to kids too. <laughs> yeah, they get it. They they, they, they know. know when you're lying to yeah, them. They know. They they know phony. You know when, yeah. when you try to um, pull something. You know if you try to give them lip service to something, they get it. They know that. They, they know. They they're like animals. They I, I mean I, I mean not equating kids with animals. N- n- nice in that little sense, nice little adorable little bunny rabbits or something like that. You, you can't fool an animal. Like when I came here today. Yeah. You you have a herding dog. Which I don't know. I have a herding dog. I have a, I have a corgi. So um, she came right to me. She knew yeah. my energy. She she felt my energy. Yeah. And, and you know it's the same with my dog. They herding dogs have a particular perception for that because they they need to exactly um, for the job they do. You know they have to they have to know when there's danger for to the flock. Mm-hmm. You know? 
And, and kids know that. Kids sense that about, you know, they, they, they just know when you're insincere. They know that about teachers. Um, and I, I learned that when I was teaching, that if you're, if you're sincere with kids and, and you're right there with them and you let them know that your classroom is a village that they're part of and they have, a, they have an important part of it. And like when they're absent, when they come back, you know, just, just a simple thing saying, oh, we missed you, you know. The, yeah. the village is not the same without you, Harrison, or, or whoever the kid is. They would light up like a, like a Christmas tree because they knew that they were missed and that they were integral and they were important to the, to the thing. To and, the, they, to, and they want to the, miss fewer days. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, my, my job, more than importing, imparting knowledge, which really is what a teacher does, was to help kids understand their learning process and learning... Um, there's a there's a big educational word called metacognition, which mm-hmm. which really me- means learning how to learn. Yeah, and that was really what my job was as a teacher was not to, you know, impart knowledge. Yeah, okay, that's part of it, mm-hmm. but that's not the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. You know, who's the third president of the United States is is really fairly irrelevant. You can look that up. You, you can Google sure, anything now. Sure. Um, what's really important is is getting kids to learn how to learn. Yeah. And understanding their learning process. And it's all different for everybody. I learn differently than you and right. and nobody ever told me that. I just kinda of stumbled upon it, you know. Yeah. And I always thought that if I could do anything, helping kids learn how to learn was was really important. And that process is helping them feel good about themselves and, and, and learning not you know, learning what their learning process is and how to acquire knowledge. I, I think that that's one of the most important things you could teach kids. The, the most important part of going back to college was to learn how to teach myself. And that's what's missing in education, I think. I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I think that the, 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 real, the real message that kids pick up on is that they're capable. Yes. They're capable. And that's really what you're just saying. I, I've come to the realization, and I was telling my wife this the other day, that I, I believe that I can fix anything. Yeah. Um, whether I can or not really doesn't matter that much. Right. But like my, for example, my chainsaw wasn't running right. So I went on YouTube and I, I found a video on how to fix a chainsaw. Exactly. And I ordered a carburetor. It was, there was something wrong with the carburetor I discovered. And I got a carburetor on Amazon, and it came, and I put it in, and, and the chainsaw. And I, it was it was such a delight for me to pull that cord on the chainsaw and have it start up when I thought, you know, in the past I might have just chucked it out and got a new one, you know. Isn't that the most amazing <clears throat> feeling in the world? It is a great feeling, but but that's the same feeling that I, I wanted kids to have, is that they can do, they have the power to do anything they want to do. Right. And I know that's a cliche to a degree, but it only, it's only a cliche if, if you don't really believe it. Right. Um, if you believe in yourself and you believe that you have um, power to do wh- whatever it is you really want to do, you can do it, but you have to focus your energy. Exactly. And you have to allow the universe to work through you and, and allow the force to work through you. That's really the message behind the Jedi's and, and Yoda's message. Right. Is that you have to, for number one, believe that the Force exists. Right. And number two, believe that you are capable of channeling it. Now, now not everybody can be a Jedi. Uh, to a degree, I think they can. You know? Yeah. Um, but I think the real message is that we all have the power to, to affect our reality. 
in, in a positive way or a negative way. In the original trilogy, anybody could be a Jedi. It's all a matter of wanting it enough right. and being able to put the time in and learning how. And when they got off the rails with the middle chlorians and all like that, that, that really sort of like, I think that sort of diminished the original message. Whereas yeah. it was just like, you know, um, anybody, anybody could be anything. So long as you're willing to address the fact that you have certain talents and and um, and abilities, mm-hmm. um, like at this point in my life, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be a Victoria's Secret under mo- underwear model. I don't think that that's. I don't think any well, that would require a lot of surgery. Or... I don't know. See, <laughs> but, you, you know, know I'm, I'm not just willing. Saying, you know, I mean, you... <clears throat> and I'm not willing to go through the surgery. Well, I get that. that. No, I understand. But, but I mean, but that's not something you really want to do anyway. Exactly. Well, exactly. But the there's nothing that you can't do. It's just a matter of being able to use the tools that you have available. And and really, that's the essence of Star Wars. I think, right. Is is that um, you know once you get past all the you know the, the battle and battling and this you know the starfighters and all that stuff, um, the, the real message there is that we all have the ability to channel universal energy. That's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about universal energy right. and where does that come from? That's the force. That's what that's what right. Lucas is talking about. And right. and I don't know where. I don't know much about George Lucas. I guess I, I you know I've read some things about him. I, I don't know where he developed the storyline from or how he developed. And I right. imagine he did a lot of research into mythology. Yep. So, um, you know, getting back to that aspect of it. Um, one of the things I think that Joseph Campbell was saying was that we all have kind of an ingrained um, right. sensibility yep. for for the tenets of mythology yep. because it's part of our heritage. Right. And it's part of our genetic heritage. Um, you know, for example, my, my little corgi. Now, he's a herding dog. Mm-hmm. And he's, and he's, he's, a, he's a bright little little dog, you know, because herding dogs have to be intelligent. Cause right. They, you know, they, they're yep. in charge of the, the, the rancher's whole livelihood, you know, so they, they got to be top of the line little little characters, you know. Yep. Um, now, he's, he's from a very good breeding stock. He's, he's from a long line of champion corgis, but he's never actually done any herding, per se. Right. But, but he's got herding instincts that are ingrained in his DNA. So, like, when we walk as a group, you know, my son and my wife and my family, if somebody breaks off from the group, he gets he gets very uncomfortable <laughs> yep. about that, and you you probably see that in your dog as I've well. I've seen that. And, one. Yeah. and this dog has never done any herding, <laughs> but it's in his DNA. So why not have that kind of instinctual thing in our DNA? We're, we're no more than you know, we're we're just a little bit more evolved animals, right. you know, than, than yeah. It's like we, we say other animals. We're, we're just we're just it, meat sure puppets who have a better idea how to use. Yeah, tools. we're kind of shaved. Spe- you know, yeah, speaking of that, have learned yeah. <laughs> learned how yeah. to communicate with each other to, to a degree. I I think that I'm I'm trying to get to the point where I can really affect my reality. I think is it, it, and it's taken a long time to to, yeah. to understand to get through all the all the rhetoric that is out there. You know, and and fear. I I, I grew up with um, fear. Um, my my father was a, was a was a kind of a dictatorial type of um, male 
father figure, and, right. and, and he instilled a lot of fear in me because that's what dictators do. And I, it's taken me a long time to overcome that. And, and I know that your your childhood was you have some similar experiences yeah. in your childhood, and it, it's really just I think developing enough wisdom to realize that that's all just kind of nonsense. Yeah. And and as Yoda said, the the path to the to the dark side is begins with fear. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of these things are occurring now in in, in society is that it's it's fear based. I mean, um, people do things and 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 things happen to create fear in us, which keeps us vibrating at a lower energy level, so that so that people don't really get the fact that they can operate on a on a higher level. And I think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of us have sort of checked out from the political process including this election because this, all every candidate and I'm going to tell you right now I'm looking straight into the microphone and I'm going to tell you something every candidate has one thing in common they are selling fear. Absolutely. Donald Trump totally. is Donald totally. Trump is selling the fear of Muslim terrorists just like everybody else on his side of the aisle. Bernie Sanders is selling a type of fear, whereas he's talking about, um, he won't come out and admit it, but he's talking about the, the military-industrial banking complex mm -hmm. that Eisenhower warned us about and talking about how the 1% is taking, taking, taking. And it's based on the fear that if we don't elect Bernie Sanders and somebody like him, the country's going to go off the rails. And, well, it, and I think that everybody, since... I, I, since the Kennedy assassination, that's what they've played on the fear. It all taps into that kind of evil, with very few exceptions. Yeah, getting back to the well, going to the Kennedy assassination. Now, I mean, we can we, we can go off on way off on tangents here, but but I, I that's think that's another that, show. That's another that, show. Yeah, that's another show. But that really was an occultist act, and and that's what that's what occultism is. It creates right. fear. Um, and, and that, when you think about the aftermath of the Kennedy assassination, what, what that did to the, to the national psyche, it, it created that, um, that we could lose a, a person that was so, that had so much hope attached to him. Right. Kennedy obviously had his shortcomings too, but right. he, did, he did present hope to people yeah. that, that things could be better and, and that the common person had status and had worthiness and 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 now um we attach worthiness to to sports stars and and reality people, stars reality stars the people that don't really deserve it they, they they're they're not really that high level of people not not all of them some of them are, are great people but but that's where our emphasis is you right know, on entertainment that kind of thing where where people are getting away from really understanding what their essence is. substance we're getting yeah. away from the substance it's like, all kind of smoke i can think of um um four or five people who are going to be angry at me for saying this including you jennifer i know you're listening um uh go ahead Aaron. make people angry i like it kim <laughs> okay mr sidious um where's the sith side of the <laughs> uh where, where does kim kardashian's popularity come from she is a socialite from los angeles who had a and I'm using air quotes when I say stolen sex tape. She, that's the only reason why she's really famous and is now making m multiple millions of dollars off of her so-called popularity. But these, I but these are role models for, for people. And I think you know, that these, scares these are me. People look at this and, and they say, wow, look how much money she's making, you know, um, or, or look how 
popular she is or, or whatever it is that people think they want. Right. Um, or, or what the American dream is, maybe. You know, yeah. um, the American dream has gotten delusional. <laughs> it, <laughs> is. it is. It um, is. It's it's not clearly not what it should be. Um, you know, if that's if that's our what what we have as examples of of you know what we should aspire to. Well, what does that say? You know? And I don't understand how it is that we can have um, just a just an example of women who like work forty to sixty to eighty hours a week in healthcare. How come women like that aren't on the cover of People magazine? It wouldn't sell magazines. I don't know about that. Well, that, that's I'm, I'm I'm saying that's what the that's what they is. think. That's, that's the what they think. Is. They 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 want people to go into the grocery store and look at, um, you know, a picture of of Kate now Caitlyn Jenner, who was Bruce Jenner, which which you know I don't have any problem with with all that if that's if right. that's you know if that was his what he needed to do to make himself feel better okay I get that but but to to make to glamorize that and make that something that people have in their consciousness yeah. you know and. and it just doesn't make any sense. Think but that, that sells magazines. People buy right. that. But I don't think, I see the thing is, is that I don't think that Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner, I don't think that they're courageous at all. Because the thing is, is that Bruce Jenner has no fear of getting his ass kicked because he decided to be a gender bender. Whereas you have this 13 year old kid who goes to school every day knowing he's going to get his ass kicked because he's a geek. Mm-hmm. That's real courage. Well, I, I think it is what it is. You know, uh, you can you can spin it however you want to spin it, and and actually, it's really probably not even worth spending much time with. Right. But um, I I think the essence of American culture is that kind of thing. You know, purient um, stuff that really doesn't have a whole lot of spirituality attached right. to it, and it doesn't enhance people in any way. Um, which, which is really my my hope for star for the new Star Wars. Um, notice how I spun back to Star Wars. I, I was, was thinking, was how, are we slick, gonna, how are we going to segue to this back pretty, to Star Wars? And... I, I, I was a little dismayed, as I said, that, that Disney took, took right. control over it because Disney's a very large corporation. Yep. And, and they're very concerned with marketing and, yep. and, and those kinds of things. So um, they, so I'm, I'm hoping that they didn't lose that, lose the essence of it for, right. to, to sell tickets. Yeah. Um, I don't think Disney really cares much about whether they're enhancing people's um, lives with what they produce or, yeah. or not. They they basically want to they want to hook kids early on and, yeah. and keep them you know keep them keep, going keep to them, Disney World them, keep and, them and keep them. And Disney's a huge power now. It is. Um, they own I think they own ABC and and they own a lot of they, um, and, and Marvel media markets and yeah. and that's really the where where American media is going into these big conglomerates that control huge portions of the of what we call entertainment and, and news you know news dissemination and yeah and even controlling movies and books and and everything that is out there I think basically what you're talking about is as the the evil empire as it were but we're seeing a culture where I I don't I really don't think that the vast majority of the people out there with the exception of the Fedora Chronicles radio show listeners and a few other people really have any true original thought they're just vessels for other people's propaganda they will tune into Fox or MSNBC or whatever and they're waiting for their daily download 
mm-hmm. of what am I, what what are the talking points for tomorrow? I think that's I think that that's really what's going it's on. It's really propaganda. Uh, yeah. In essence, it's yeah. not really news. It's 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 shoveled to us in the form of news. And then we're going to taint the the reporting of the news story mm-hmm. with what we think you need to know and what you need to More think about what you this. You need to think, which is which is taking taking the individuality out of the thought process and and which getting back to education is one of the problems with education you know they they want everybody to think the same way and everybody shouldn't or can't think the same way exactly but that's the way things are are moving however i do i do think that there is a positive spin a positive a a light at the end of the tunnel so to speak um, and and I, I do think that we are moving as a culture toward a uh, toward an event horizon, um, some kind of a, an awakening and as a change. It were. Yeah, yeah. People people um, thought of 2012, the end the end of the Mayan calendar, as, yeah. as a as a cataclysm of some kind. But I don't <laughs> think it really. I mean, it was it was a false. A false god, kind of, so to speak. It was. It was like everybody. But again, it was fear. It, 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 it's, it was fear all based on that fear. The world was going to end, and it was like when two, you know, when the when the new millennium changed, and all the computer computers were going to melt down. Yeah. God knows what else they were saying, um, but it didn't happen. It, yep. it just created a lot of fear in people, and, 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 and people made a lot of money based on those fears. Absolutely. Um, going back to Yoda, you know, the path to the dark side it's is all, fear. It's all about the dark side. And you know, I keep I keep bringing Yoda back into, it, but Yoda, Yoda is really a, a wise little green character. But, he, but here's <laughs> the thing: I don't see you as Yoda. I see you more as an Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, but but Yoda is a mentor. You yeah. Know, I, I would say that I've been mentored. Um, I I. As you know, I studied Native American spirituality Absolutely. Um, extensively, and, and I met during my course of doing that, um, and I'm still on that path because it's a lifelong path. It's not just something you do and then yep. don't do. Um, I, I, I met a lot of elders, Native American elders, and, and they were mentors, and, and they, they would say things to me, and, and sometimes it was something that seemingly was out of context or yeah. odd. And then, as I thought about it, it, it made sense. It, I, it, I had to put it in my own context. Right. And they, but they know that. Well, I'm going to tell you what we are at the half hour mark, and we we have to actually air some commercials here. Okay. And uh, we're going to. I was just getting warmed up. We're, we're going to we're going to take a quick we're going to take a quick break, and you people will have to listen to these wonderful commercials by delivered to you by our sponsors, such as Zazzles and, and Amazon.com. And uh, um, stick around, stay tuned, and we will be back. Hey, if you really want to be able to support the Fedora Chronicles radio show and let all your friends and family know about it, uh, the best way to do that is by going to zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Uh, we have a series of products that are just there for you, fans of this podcast. We have the Fedora Chronicles radio show coffee mug and the Fedora Chronicles um, line of t-shirts. And, of course, the Fedora Chronicles radio show tote bag. Yeah, that's right, folks. You no longer have to pledge to PBS to get your own tote bag. And I venture to gamble that this one is even cooler. Geekonomicon, December 11th through the 13th. 
the premier comic and pop pop culture con on the Gulf Coast. This year with a dedicated diesel punk programming track, Big Daddy Cool and the Bombshell Kittens, the diesel-powered podcast, Cosplay Collective, Pro Se Productions, Magic Burlesque, a USO dance, a diesel punk pinup contest, and an amazing diesel punk programming track. Plus, we will be setting the world setter world record for the most diesel punks in one room. Visit Geekonomicon for complete details. That's www.geekonomicon.com dot com for complete details geeko namicon december 11th 12th and 13th of this year 2015 in biloxi mississippi also coming up in the realm of conventions is the wild wild west steampunk convention number five which will be held in the first weekend of march in tucson arizona and that's coming up in 2016 keep an eye open on their webpage www.wildwestcon.com for more details before you go anywhere though make sure that you check out my buddy paul nolan at midwest whips Stop by the Western Stage Props booth number 260 at Cowboy Christmas in Las Vegas and check out some of their handmade kangaroo whips. And while you're there, pick up a little snapper at a discounted price. Can't say that enough. Um, That is Midwest Whips. And finally, if you want to support the Fedora Chronicles radio show directly... Um, you can drop by and visit us at paypal.me slash Fedora Chronicles. There you can just donate um, whatever the podcast is worth to you. Um, Five, ten, twenty dollars. Paypal.me slash Fedora Chronicles. So with that said, um, back to the radio show. Okay, so we're back from our break. Special thank you to all of our sponsors and our listeners who are sending us all their nickels and dimes and quarters and and pictures of presidents um subway tokens so many subway tokens subway tokens are great um but hey you know what like i said before if you really want to support the show click on amazon and do your christmas shopping early so you can support the fedora chronicles by clicking that link to amazon and uh, you get a little something i get a little something your kids or your family get a little something and it's a triple it's it's a trilogy of win for everybody. So what we were talking about during the break. Can I add one more thing to that. Absolutely. It's, it's also a, a, a statement of good taste. It's a statement of and good class. taste. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that we were talking about during the during uh, the break was um, the, the coming paradigm shift that you believe is going to happen, and you think that um, not so much Star Wars, but. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe you think that Star Wars, this upcoming movie, is going to be part of the paradigm shift that we're talking about. So, what what is this paradigm shift that you're talking about, and where do you, and where do you think it's coming from, and why do you think it's necessary? Well, I, I think that humankind is 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 on the cusp of some kind of a, um, evolutionary um, step forward, okay, so to speak. Um, and why I say that is, is, is I think that although, although the events 
that are currently being run in front of us, the mass shootings and things like that, do do seem to be a step backwards. Yes, um, I, I think I think that is all put in place to kind of usher in um, a new phase of of human consciousness. Um, I know we've talked about um, the book Child, Childhood's End yes. by Arthur C. Clarke, yep. which, which is a brilliant, I, I know you've probably read it earlier on in your, it's one of, your it's, developmental stages. But. It, it's one of those books that it, um, it's, uh, um, I'm going to put a link to this in our show notes. It is one of those books that I listen to once a year. Mm-hmm. And it is one of those, whereas it's like a little refresher. Tell us about... Um, it's a ma- it's a masterpiece. Well, uh, and, and for the for the listeners who don't or aren't familiar with Arthur C. Clarke, I think I, I think everybody um, has heard of him. I'm, I'm not sure that everybody understands the import of his work. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke, of course, wrote 2001, which was one one of the major accomplishments, um, not only cinematically but but also in terms of um, what it added to the to the culture, um, was one of Stanley Kubrick's big movies, and Kubrick was a was a, a master, a genius. Um, but Childhood's End, which which I'm actually quite surprised hasn't been made into a movie, um, has to do with a group of aliens. Positioning their ships over all all the major cities of the of the United States or of the of the world. I'm sorry, all the, all the major cities of the world, not just the United States, but United States included. And and the the aliens are are termed overlords, which, yep. which is a little bit of a deceiving moniker, I think. Yeah. Because what they what they really are is they're um, universal midwives. Um, and, and their role in the universe is to give birth to cultures which are on the cusp or g- give birth to um, an evolving consciousness in, in cultures throughout the universe that are on the cusp of, yep. of moving into a new paradigm, so to speak. Um, so they are not, they're not, they're not overlords in the sense that they're sent to rule over humankind what what they're there to do is is to uh, facilitate this process right which um, and I think midwife is a good term because the birthing process is is a painful process generally um, unless you have a lot of drugs on board uh-huh uh, which the human race does because trust me I need I really needed to take those drugs to be able to see what Carol and, and the boys were going <laughs> right. through during I, that I, process. I, you. I, I, I know I, I oversaw the the uh, natural birth of my son in a, in a log cabin in the woods in New Jersey. So that, that was quite an experience. But again, I'm getting off track. So yeah. But um, <clears throat> so getting back to the overlords, they they are sort of a universal force, I guess. That um, whose role is to, to oversee the, the the next step in evolution for emerging um, cultures, world or universal cultures, um, and and the, the human race on Earth has been identified as one of those right one of those cultures so um, the, the interesting thing about the overlords is though that they don't show themselves right away they, there's a, a pretty good span of time years where they're just there 
Right. Um, and they don't really, um, they, they communicate, but they don't, you don't see them physically. Right. Um, so um, what happens is that they, the only intervention that they do is they do not allow any kind of military action yep. or aggressive acts. Yeah, they, they stop. They shut that down. Um, it's it's very similar to the day the Earth stood still in, in that sense, and and what that does is it it forces the human race to to look at things a little differently. Right. If they don't have that aggression behind them. You know, like Ted Cruz just said the other day that he could solve the the ISIS problem by carpet bombing the the mid Middle East. Well, yeah. Nice, nice thinking, Ted. You know that yeah. that's going to solve the problem. Like it did in Viet- that worked well in Vietnam. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was a good strategy. Um, so anyway, I'm getting off track a little bit, but uh, I couldn't resist. Yeah. So, so the overlords um, basically are sort of passive, um, a passive force. They're 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 taking away the the thing that's really preventing the human race from from making a, a leap right into into a higher consciousness so so what happens is that a new um, a new type of being comes into existence um, which is which is called the one uh-huh is that is that the, or the chosen I, I, one? I believe that's right is that right uh, it's been a while since I've read it so I'm dredge up my memory but um, so this is a new type of human being that possesses um, more um, Parapsychological ability, mm-hmm. um, and is really a more more evolved um, form of the species. Right. And all of the older species, form of the species, are rendered sterile, uh-huh. so they can't reproduce. And there's a, there's an elaborate structure behind all this. But I'm, I'm simplifying right. it. But 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 the essence of the book is is that um, is is that the human race um, is evolving. Right, um, and people may may not think that we are evolving as a evolving as a race, right. but when you think about our culture, you think about three hundred years ago, we we were burning witches. Yeah, um, one hundred fifty years ago, I'm going to say we because I I wasn't genetically involved in slavery. <laughs> <laughs> none of my none of my ancestors were slave owners, but but slave we we had slavery. There was slavery. There was slavery in the Western world. It was world. a pretty predominant form of, right. you know, controlling people. A um, hundred years ago, women couldn't vote. Exactly. Fifty years ago, we had segregated restrooms. Yeah. So if you, if you look at that timeline, we we really are evolving. Yeah. Um, gradually, glacially, maybe some people would say. Right. But but our consciousness, we we are becoming more consciously aware of of these kinds of prejudices and yeah. um, non enlightened ways of thinking. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you on this for a second. Here okay, go ahead. Because we see we see a lot of bad things happening mm-hmm. as well. Because the thing is, is that on the one hand, we can we can to an extent tolerate somebody like Caitlyn Jenner and something like. Uh, gay marriage is just becoming something more, um, and not accepted. Well, not approved, but accepted. Mm-hmm. The thing is, look, th- look. There are gay couples out there, and um, th- they they're going to get married and they're going to do their thing, and and it doesn't. Af- I mean, here, and here's the thing: I, I it doesn't affect me. I don't understand how it could affect me, and that's that is my evolution in the past fifteen years. Mm-hmm. I have totally changed on that. But we still see 
we see hate crimes, we see um, resurgence in in in, uh, in racism, we see non um, non white kids demanding to have um, safe zones where they can talk without white people being around, mm -hmm. and I sort of see that. What I see, I see everything that you say is happening, but I see we're taking three steps forward and then we're taking two steps back. Is that? And I see a lot of resistance to what you see as as being the paradigm shift. Well, but that's part of the process. Okay. Like I said, you know, it's like a birthing process. That's why the overlords were were so to speak midwives. They they, they were overseeing the birthing process. Mm -hmm. And you know, when when a child is born, it, it, there's a lot of pain involved. There's a right. lot of uh, missteps, yeah. you know, and and um, but at the end of the day, you have a beautiful little package. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of where we are now. Um, and yeah. and again, um, good and evil is are, are two sides of the same coin. It, it's it's yin and yang. You can't have good without evil, and you can't have evil without good. There's there's no there there's no um, one without the other kind of thing. Right. Um, so what we're seeing now is is our messages, I think, that are being sent to us to say, well, look at that. You know, we, we, we really shouldn't act that way or we really shouldn't think that way. And, and it's all part of a process, I think. And I think there's a larger force at work, uh, you know, without getting into another whole topic, that doesn't really want to see us evolve as a species. Yeah. I, I think that they, they, they when I say they, whoever they are I, I I don't even know there's I think there's a shadow force yeah um, that's responsible for a lot of the negative things that happen in in society and, mm -hmm. and all that is is keeping us at a fearful level and keeping at keeping us at a lower energy level so that we're we're resonating at a, at a, at a lower level now one of the interesting things about childhood's end is that when when the overlords do reveal themselves they are actually, um, in mythological terms, like the way I got back to that, yeah. Um, what you would what you would consider dark, like almost demon looking. They do. They they they, 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 they do have, look demonic. They look they demonic. Do. They have like bat wings, and they're 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 dark. They they look dark, but they're really not at all. They're they're really forces of light. So, right. So it's kind of a juxtaposition that Clark used right. to show us that. You know that our fears are, are really unfounded. Appearances can be deceiving. Absolutely, and that's what a lot of this hate stuff is based on. It's based on fear. It's based on not embracing commonalities that people all people share, yeah. and that commonality uh, issue goes back to the collective unconscious that we all share a commonality yeah. in in our past, um, in our past genetics. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you take it way, way back, we, we share a common ancestor, you know, of, mm -hmm. of where evolution started. And we've gotten very far away from that. And, and people most prejudiced and most everything is based in fear because, yes. you know, people that are prejudiced, whether it's race or religion or creed or color or whatever it is, is based in the fact that you don't know the person. You know, it's it's a generalization that's on, on an, really an unfounded basis. Um, my very early on, I I worked in Camden, New Jersey. That was my first teaching job, right? Which was about ninety percent black and, mm -hmm. and five percent Hispanic and very small um, white population. 
And I, I did it, you know, being, I was being altruistic, thinking, oh, you know, I can change the world and, you know, that kind of stuff sure. coming out of college, which I quickly learned was a big job um, that, I, that I probably wasn't well suited for at that point. But, but what I came to realize was that um, I didn't really know very many black people. I went, I went to a high school that was 99% white. There might have been two or three black kids, and they were sort of, um, you know, kind of mainstream blacks, you know, um, higher socioeconomic group. So mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't really know anything about black culture, you know. I, I knew zip. And here I am, first teaching job, in, in a situation that is 90-plus percent black people, you know. And I, I had to change my viewpoint and, and get to know black culture in a way that I just didn't understand. And I came to realize that um, a lot of the people that I dealt with were wonderful, mm -hmm. wonderful people. That I, in the past, I would have driven down the street and seen them walking and said, oh, there, there goes a black person, you know. I, I didn't see them as a person person you know what I mean I saw them as a human of course but I didn't get to know them as a person I, you know there was, right. a, there was an older black lady who I who had developed a, a really great relationship with and, and I actually ended up tutoring her granddaughter and going to her house and she would make me uh, sweet potato pies because she didn't have the money to pay me and I said that's okay you don't have to pay me so she'd make me a pie and that was good that was better really than yeah than giving me out give try to give me twenty dollars that she didn't have and would would take it you know Exactly. Some kind of part-time job scrubbing floors to, to pay. So, But I learned a lot from that, you know, and that's what I think all prejudice is based in. It's based in, in fear and it's based in lack of knowledge. And, and maybe that's where we're moving, you know, um, so that we, we I, I think commonality is really what, um, what the new paradigm is, you know, where, where we're moving towards. And it's, it's going to be a painful process and there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, steps along the way which may be unpleasant but that's the way change happens that's the way we're going though yeah, cha change happens um grudgingly i think a lot of times with yeah people, people people are comfortable with the way things are whether they know it's good or or think it's good or whatever it's it's much the way segregation changed you know yep um, i don't think people in the south 50 years ago would have ever predicted the way things are now and exactly. that, is it still good now it's um, still there's implied racism and and all those things, but but it's better. But in many ways, it's better. It's better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think we are moving in that direction. Um, I, I do think that we have a long way to go. I think it's going to be a hard road, but I do think there's light at the end of the tunnel as a species. I don't think that we're going to annihilate ourselves. I, I don't think we're going to... I think we're going to get to the point where we start to... Uh, more people start to learn how to use universal energy yeah for, for in positive ways are there always going to be people who go to the dark side of course there are um, the interesting thing about that and getting back to Star Wars again is that I, I did do a little bit of research on Lucas and and he did study um, he did study Hitler Adolf Hitler um, for for Darth Vader's character yep and if you if you look at Darth Vader he really is Hitler in a lot of ways well then, what's then? Then who is the emperor then? Well, I think I think the emperor is more of a kind of a surface character, um, in somebody who's kind of just 
taking advantage of, of the Darth, Darth Vader is the real driving force behind the behind the evil in the story. He's, okay. he's the real evil, um, the evil guy. You know, I think the Emperor's just kind of riding on his coattails, actually. Huh. That's my that's my that's spin. your perspective. That's my spin. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that the way that I've always sort of um, um, viewed Darth Vader is that um, he, um, he, here's here's a here's a good doobie who um, he, here's a good guy who has some serious issues, some serious emotional issues, and he was um, um, manipulated by fear by somebody who was he looked up to as a mentor right, I sort of saw that I agree with that because because the thing is is that um, Anakin Skywalker really sort of had two mentors he had Obi-Wan and he had Palpatine and mm-hmm. he's just trucking along and the thing is is that he you know he spends part of the day with uh, with Obi-Wan being taught um, what it is that he needed to know and then on the other side you know he would spend the other part of the day hanging out with Palpatine and Palpatine is sort of trying to undo his education in one direction and take him into another well he wanted to push him in the direction of yeah. becoming a Sith warrior I always because the thing is is that whenever I, whenever I see the Star Wars movies I see a very large parallel with a lot of the other global conflicts whereas um, Hitler was able to get into power by manipulating other people's fear. Mm-hmm. That's how I always saw it. I oh, always yeah. saw that. But you know, Hitler started out. Um, he he was named Man of the Year by Time Magazine. At yeah, some point, like 1935 or now earlier than that. It must have been 32, maybe, but something like that. Yeah. But, um, so initially, he 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 was starting out with at least at least on the surface with with good intentions. He he revamped the German economy and and you know right. He sort of kind of repaired the the German psyche. Uh, that was damaged after World War One, um, but he also but then, a, he, but then he turned he turned to the dark yeah, side. He, but the thing is, is that he he uh, he had this book called Mein Kampf. Uh, yeah. And the thing is, is that it's like if you're willing to read it, you'll be able to understand that um, the signs were all there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, and but, absolutely. but but the thing is, is that oh well, we 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 want a happier Germany, and we're we're just going to we're going to overlook his. Uh, anti-Semitism because we have anti-Semitism here at the United States as oh, of well. Course. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it was just like that's the problem that we have is that we're looking at when somebody tells you exactly what kind of an evil person they are, and we ignore it because it depends. And it doesn't matter who it is because the thing is, is it seems like every four to eight years we try and re-elect a new, we try and elect a new Messiah. And it was like, and we ignore the fact that, listen, if you paid if you paid attention to George Bush when he was running for office, you would have known something was up. Well, he's from the Bush family, from, right? I mean, you don't have to go too much further than that. <laughs> but my my personal opinion, but and and by the way, George Senior, um, uh, where were you on November twenty second? Mm, question. Because I, you told two different stories. Might you have been in Dallas by any chance? I, yeah, some people say that he was in Dallas. Mm, yeah. Curious about that. Huh, funny how that works. But that's another whole show. That's an, uh, yeah, I'm telling <laughs> you. Um, but the thing is, is that it was like, but he, uh, that's how evil works, though. Absolutely. It they, does. Uh, first of all, hey. I'm a nice guy. You're going to like me because of all the great things that I'm going to do for you. But first, you have to give me some executive powers here. You know, something funny about George Bush, there's a guy down the street from, I, I live in Dublin, New Hampshire, which, you know, New Hampshire is always the proving ground for these yes. for these candidates, you know, because yep. it's the first in the 
nation primary, as we all know. So I, I was talking to a guy down the street who was a staunch Republican, and obviously we, we didn't have a whole lot in common, but right. uh, but he was a big Bush advocate. You know, He had a big Bush sign out on right. his front yard and stuff like that, which I wanted to run down with my car, but that's another story. Right. Um, but his words to me were, well, you know, I met George Bush at a party. Yeah. And he went around and he, he memorized everybody's name. And he knew my name when he came back and shook hands as he was getting ready to go. He remembered my name. But what that told me was that he was groomed yeah. to be. And I, I read things that when he was a kid, they, his father used to make him go to a cocktail party yeah. that he was having and, and memorize everybody's names because he knew that would be a political yeah. uh, card he could, you know, or yeah. feather in his cap when he got. So, so, so his presidency was, was groomed. I mean, it was, it was yeah. in the cards. Absolutely. You know? and, and we're really not presented with real choices. We we're presented with two two heads of the same beast. Well, you know, yeah. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, we're really voting for the same paradigm. I'm sorry. There are more than two parties that have candidates who are running for office. Well, yeah. But Depends on who you ask. We either have three political parties or four or six. Some people would even say that we have 12 political parties. And, and from my perspective, the Republicans and the Democrats have maneuvered it so that all the other people who from other parties who are running, like the Independence Party or the Constitution Party or the Green Party, just name the parties. You don't even know who the candidates are from the Communist Party. And, and, and here's the shocker. There's a Communist Party here in the United States. We don't know who those other candidates are. Well, I mean, they're not funded. They're, they're not funded by... by the corporation you think that bernie sanders is the only socialist or national socialist or democratic socialist who's who's running for office but there's this there's the socialist party well hitler's party was named national socialist national party. socialists i get really worried and concerned i don't care how nice of a guy you are mm -hmm. anybody who says that you're a democratic socialist or a national socialist that scares me a little and it's maybe it shouldn't, but it does. Well, like like Groucho Marx said, I, I I wouldn't join any club that would have me as a member. Exactly. You know. So, um, yeah, of course, he was saying that tongue in cheek, but um, you know, I, I think I think what it comes down to is is you know you were talking about people looking for a messiah. Well, we're looking in the wrong pool. Yeah. For there aren't going to be no messiahs in the Republican or Democratic Party. They're they're all <laughs> they're all out for one thing. You know, they're, they're to, to further their Whatever their agenda they're, they're, is. You know, they're it's former, not the agenda of the American people. I know that. They're former lawyers with delusions of grandeur. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's all one system, really. You know, they, they give the illusion of choice, you know. Yeah. Um, like Obama. You know, you can love him or hate him, but um, he was the black, the first black president. Right. That's, that was his... That was what they ran him out as. You know, when I say they again, you know, I, I do believe that there's a... There's a there's a shadow force or something that that makes these decisions and controls these things and and yeah. you know you don't get to be president un unless you have that approval and if you do exactly yeah you don't hang around that long. I'm going to insert the clip of what Bill Hicks says happens after the president gets elected. I have this feeling, man, because you know there's a handful of people actually run everything. That's true. It's provable. Not a fuck. I'm not a conspiracy nut. It's provable. Handful, very small elite run and own these corporations, which include the mainstream media. 
I had this feeling who's ever elected president, like Clinton was, no matter what your promises you promise on the campaign trail, blah, 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 when you win, you go into this smoky room with the 12 industrialists, capitalist scum fucks who got you in there, and you're in this smoky room, and this little uh, uh, film uh, screen comes down, and a big guy in a cigar, roll the film. And it's a shot of a Kennedy assassination from an angle you've never seen before. <laughs> It looks suspiciously off uh, the grassy knoll. And then the film, the screen goes up and the lights come up and they go to the new president. Any questions? Uh, just what my agenda is. First we bomb Baghdad. You got it. Yeah, what's my policy going to be for the next four mm -hmm. years? Well, Clinton was another one that was you know, from the same. Yeah. I mean, that's the only choice we have, really. We think we have two choices, and at the end of the day, there's really only one. Exactly. Um, I would, which, you know, I guess we're getting a little off topic, but. Um, well, no, because the thing is, is that it was just like where I think that this, because we we started talking about Star Wars, and the thing is, is that it's like I, a lot of people don't like the prequels, but because mm -hmm. it's it's C-span in space. But the thing is, <laughs> is that you have you have this character. You think he's the nicest guy in the world, but he's running around with a with a black robe and a black hood, mm -hmm. manipulating things behind the scenes, playing both ends against the middle, and he he's able to manipulate himself into power. I think that that's what we're seeing now. I think that that well, the potential is there for that. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a lot of the Nazis um, didn't when we didn't defeat. The Nazi Party. We we defeated Germany in World War II. Yeah, a lot of Nazis escaped with, with a lot of money. Yeah, to Argentina and Brazil. Yeah, and and that money's still around somewhere. Yeah, and and, and you know there, there's a lot of theories behind that. But um, anyway, I want I want to get back to Star Wars a little bit. I want to ask you a question. Uh, ask away. Um, do you think that Star Wars is set in the future? Do I think um, Do I think Star Wars is set in the future? Yeah. You mean a long time ago do, in a galaxy you, far, far away? I'm taking it literally. Yeah. Do, do you I'm, think? I'm going to take it literally. Okay. Yeah. You think it is the future? No, I think it's the past. The past. Okay. Good. Yeah. Because that's the right answer. Because well, it <laughs> says the right answer. It says right in the beginning of the movie. Well, I know, I know, but a lot of people see that as futuristic, as sure. the, as the future. Sure. Um, because of the technology and the spaceships and you know. Sure. Um, but what I'm getting to is there's a there's a document. Um, which I ran across on the internet. It's called the Terra Papers. Okay. Uh, it's written by a Native American who was actually a divinity student, and he presented this paper as a as a as a probably a doctoral um, theme, his doctoral theme or anyway he was just about drummed out of divinity school because of it. Uh, but it's based upon the fact that uh, and again getting back to Native Americans, I you know I, I had a lot of. Native American. I have a lot of Native American friends, and, and I sort of understand their their wisdom um, as much as I can, being not not being Native American. Um, but the the essence of this of the Terra Papers is that this is this is something that um, this guy says. His name is William Morning Sky. Okay. Um, was was um, a story that his grandfather told him, and. The, the teller of the story wa, was an alien who crashed in the in the desert mm -hmm. um, and and his um, the tribal elders nursed him 
back to health. Yep. And during the course of this process, he, he told them the story about how the universe developed. Right. And, and if you read this story, and I don't know where Lucas got the premise from, from Star Wars for, uh, where he got it from, but um, it, it's, it's like you read it and you say, oh my God, this is Star Wars. Right. It, it, it tells how there's always been a universal conflict going on. Yeah. And that universal conflict eventually filtered down to the Earth. The Earth was on a, was on a, was on a, a, a flight path. Yeah. Um, that, that needed to be controlled. And, and, and the Earth was kind of a stopping off point for that. And that's how we're, Earth was, at some point, was a, was a, was a rock yeah. that was terraformed by, by, a, by a race of um, over, uh, genetic um, scientists. Right. Um, <clears throat> now, again, this is all conjecture, but theory. But if, if you, did you see Prometheus? The, yeah, oh yeah, I loved um, it. A lot of people didn't understand that, I think. And that's really what he was, what, um, the guy that did Prometheus, well, I lost his name. Uh, on the electric speakeasy, we have we have a couple of threads under um, uh, unexplained phenomenon on our archaeology table. Whereas there's a lot of people who are coming forward and saying um, there may be, there might be evidence that there was an advanced civilization. There may have been a um, a, a global civilization absolutely. that broke up. Absolutely. The, then the, then the different parts annihilated each other back to the Stone Age. Mm -hmm. They they actually had there was supposedly was actually a nuclear war at one point. And there's um, a lot of evidence of, of there's evidence in the Bible even if, and, if you want to go that route. And if but. you even go in another route, uh, many of the ancient Hindu but uh, the Vedas. Yes, the Vedas. It's Star Wars set to ancient poetry. Yeah, ancient exactly. Sanskrit. Well, if you it, actually there is evidence if you if you look at the structures that are left behind. Yeah. That you know if if, if you look at um, just the pyramids or. or structures in South America that, that we couldn't even duplicate the technology today to build I mean they're just ruins right now. and people say they're oh, they're just religious temples or something that were left behind no that's the remnants of a, of a very advanced civilization that was um, I think all around the world definitely and, and, yeah and that kind of goes back to to the to the collective unconscious I think that that's where the collective unconscious is based and, and based even further in a, in a universal consciousness, which which is really what this tariff papers dealt with, is the fact that this this seed yeah. of of which we now see as the human race was was seeded here from from a universal source, and that consciousness is embedded in in our DNA and as a result of that. And it's funny how that universal consciousness keeps coming back into science fiction whether or not oh, it's, it's it's such it's a great it, it, really. it's such a great idea whereas it's well, like Clark used that you know he, he was brilliant I frank mean, herbert also used oh, that yeah. a lot in the dune yeah. books all, all the great writers have all have, of them have, have access and that. i and i think we all inherently know on some kind of subconscious that there is this greater truth and we are trying mm. to apply different um ideologies and philosophies and theologies to it trying to explain this thing that we there's something missing and we're trying really hard to put our finger on it and say that's what it is and i think that's where a lot of great science fiction comes mm -hmm. from or fiction in general where people look and think what's going on one of the things I, i've had to deal with this even in, in in therapy sessions and talking about my family i i really don't know who i am or where i come from there's this piece missing mm -hmm. you just identified the the new paradigm i'm talking about. 
you know, I, I don't want to get too far into into our genetic heritage because that's again is another whole show. But right. I, I do feel that um, we were um, our species was was elevated um, at some point genetically right. by by a race of beings called the Anunnaki mm-hmm. who who were visitors visitors to the, to the planet you know many millennium ago right. and and raised the the existing hominoids on the planet. Um, by interjecting their DNA into our DNA or into the primate DNA, yeah, the hom- early hominid DNA, which would be primates, but um, and elevated the species. And and if you look at um, this is probably going to get some of your readers' ears perked up, but um, I mean if you if you look at the story of Adam and Eve, right, that's that's really what that story is, um, an intervention. Yep. Whether whether you view it as a you know as the, theosophy or or however you want to view it. Um, I, d- I do feel that humans have DNA that is is um, sleeping, and and that's embedded in in our yeah. in our DNA. It's not working DNA. They call it junk DNA, but I, I have trouble believing that nature would put junk DNA into a into a creation. Um, I, I think that there's something there that's sleeping in in our DNA, and I think it'll be awakened by something. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting to with a with a new paradigm. I think when that happens. Um, there will be a new level of consciousness that, that people will be accessing, I more it, universal consciousness. Yeah, I think And it's, I don't think religion really is hitting the mark anymore on that. I think religion has just kind of, and I don't want to offend religions, but um, I've never been a religious person. I consider myself a spiritual person. Right. Um, I kind of cast off the Baptist church when I was eight years old when I realized there was a lot of hypocrisy going on there, you know. Yeah. So I never went back, um, but I, I've spent my whole life kind of developing a, a spiritual philosophy, I guess, yep. which, which I think has led me to this point where I feel that there's a lot of there's a lot of positive stuff out there. We just don't hear about it, you know. We we hear all the negative stuff, and that keeps us at a at a, a lower energy level. And and some point, maybe your radio show is is one contributor to that. Maybe Star Wars. Will will contribute to that if people really understand it, you know, which was, which is really what I'm hoping this show will do is help people look at it a little more closely rather than, you know, just a just a good a good time where you go get your popcorn and have your soda and, and yeah. see if, see if and and I and I and I don't want to diminish the fun of it either because it is fun <clears throat> and it, yeah. and it is good entertainment but it's but it's more than that yeah there's there's a there's a philosophical underpinning to it which is based in mythology which I'm sure Lucas knew about when he right. wrote the original story I remember going to the first movie when I was I won't say how old I was but what was it 76 77 77 yeah I was eight years old uh, I, I won't say I, <laughs> I, I was I was in uh, I think I was in my 20s probably yeah um, but uh, go ahead do the math uh, I won't I won't uh, <laughs> do the math I will not so, do uh, it it doesn't matter anyway I'm young at heart, right. as I said earlier. We're, I've yep. never lost my 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 childhood, um, but that's a funny thing about childhood's end is that that's really what the title denotes is that um, it's it's the end of, of of the human race's childhood right. per se, and, and you're moving into a next stage. But um, I remember going to the movie because you know a couple people said, "Hey, you gotta go see this movie," knowing I was a science fiction fan all right. my life. And, and I just went and, and just being in awe of it, like it was such a new, uh, it was like something I had never seen before. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't just the, 
the the special effects and all that stuff. It was I just knew on some level that there was something more there, and I probably went back to see it. I don't know three or four times in the movies, and yeah. then, you know I've seen it multiple multiple times, and uh, it it was just it was just like an awakening for me. Yeah, you know, and, and I don't know whether you had the same experience. Or not. It was I a think sense a lot of, of people it, did. I, I it was it, there's just this sense of. The reason why you go to see the movie over and over again is just a sense of belonging mm-hmm. in that world, whatever it is. But what is it? What is it connecting you to, really? When you think about it, what is it connecting you to? Um, what is it connecting me to? Like I said, the thing is, is that it was, um, like I said during the break, um, like what I'm supposed to be doing for the next few years of mm-hmm. my life. Is this absolutely? Is, 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 I, I totally is, agree. It's doing I the Fedora totally Chronicles agree. and it's doing the radio show, um, and it's putting truth on the line, putting the truth out there. Yeah, whatever. And, and, and truth is a is a kind of a random word. Yeah, but there's different kinds of truth. Right. There's some truth that is universal. That is just um, like I said earlier with kids. The kids understand the truth when they see it or when they feel. Mostly when they feel it. Yeah. And that's what I was able to get through to kids is that there is a truth that is um, really not really definable, but you know it when you feel it. Exactly. You know? and, and that's really what Star Wars has at its root, I think, truth. And I think the reason why it just resonates with so many people is because we look out into the stars with this feeling of belonging. Mm-hmm. Whereas because we do belong there. We, that's where yeah. we came from. Yeah. Hey, I'm walking stardust and you mm-hmm. are too. Yeah. Um, but but um, and I'm talking Stardust is in like the remnants of stars. I'm not talking You're not about talking that. Talking Hobie Carmichael. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. The hotel and casino in in Las Vegas. Right. Which um, is. A, which I, is. I won't get into that. But, <laughs> but that is. <laughs> but but the thing is, is I think I think that the, um, we're reaching a point. This is the 21st century. We're in our second decade of the 21st century, and I think that we're starting to address the fact that there's something more. There's something more going on there. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that there's some of us like myself, whereas it's like we have one foot in the past and we have one foot in the in in, in the future. Whereas mm-hmm. it's like we're missing the sense of we're missing this pioneering spirit. We're missing the spirit of adventure. We're missing that um, you know peeling back the, the 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 mysterious veil to see you know what's going on. What, what you know how how does how does the universe work and and. Uh, whether it's you know reading up on the latest news from NASA or whether or not it's watching the latest trailer from Star Wars, there is something there's something to it. There's something there, and mm-hmm. it was just like and I, and I feel as if we belong out there somewhere doing something that has nothing to do with, um, it was just spinning our wheels and you know doing our best to keep up with celebrity gossip and fantasy football and stuff like that that's just that's just lowering or lowering our our energy that we function at yeah and and maybe there was you know more intentionality behind kennedy uh pushing for the space program than than just us getting ahead there's of something the there's something more going on i right? i think that kennedy was a very special person a very a very very um unusual yeah. individual and and i don't know what accounted for that or why that was but I think at some points in time people come along that you know you were talking about a messiah I I think that somebody will emerge that will present this point of view in a way that um, brings people together rather than divides them 
Yeah. Um, and I don't know what that's going to look like, but um, that's the premise of my next book. <laughs> <laughs> There's <laughs> like, a plug like right the there. I did that? <laughs> well, I want to tell you what, because the thing is, is that we uh, we uh, we are at the end of our time here. Not to sound like you're a psychiatrist, but I'm sorry, Mr. Schnabel, but our you're supposed to stand up. Our at this our, point. our our half hour is over, and uh, you know. <laughs> and how much do I? <laughs> <laughs> it's fifty dollars over the first oh, half hour. I didn't realize that. Do you take you take plastic? <laughs> I, I take Blue Cross and Blue Shield. I'm, I'm chipped. You take my chip. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I'm, I'm going to pass my chip over your scanner. Exactly. I think that that's one of the things we're going to have to talk about. Is um, uh, going to have to have you back on the show, and we're going to have to talk about all these other things. Yeah, we touched on a lot of tangents, which I think we, we could really did. More, we really yeah. did. But to wind this up. Just want to just be as a way of closing out the show, since that this is the Star Wars special edition, uh, Ewok Gungan free edition of the Fedora Chronicles. What's what's the what's the takeaway from all this? What what um, what do you hope people get out of the Force Awakens, which is going to open later this month? What do you hope people are getting out of that? Just go take it from there. What do you want people to get well, out of? I, I would hope that people would view the movie um, through a slightly different lens than mm -hmm. they would have before they listened to this. Um, and, and like I said, don't let you know what we talked about today diminish the entertainment of it and mm -hmm. the joy of it because joy in itself is, is good. It's mm -hmm. a good thing. Just going to something um, and getting pleasure from it is a good thing, but, but don't lose sight of the fact that there's wisdom behind it and, and very, very um, universal an ancient and powerful wisdom that that a lot of people don't really have um, privilege to, I guess, or, or don't right. take the take the time to think about. Maybe um, so. Maybe go one time and look at it just as just as entertainment, and then go back again and start just looking to, at some of the other things. That, go, um, yeah, go see it the first time just to get through the story and see what happens. Just to tomorrow. immerse yourself in the in the. The pleasure of it, and then you know, just go back and and, right. and look be, at it at all the other totally levels. nihilistic and, and hedonistic, and just go in there and say, "Wow, I want to see a good movie." Exactly. But then don't lose sight of the fact that there's more behind it, and there's a reason why that movie is so good. That it's not just something that's going to just say, "Hey, that was good," so you remember it for a couple of hours, and then you move on to the next movie the following weekend. You know, it's it's much more than that. It's, there's 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 a there's a power and a beauty in it that I hope Disney didn't. God help us. around with too much. <laughs> God help us if if uh, two minutes into the movie we see Jar Jar Binks saying, Misa back! <laughs> yeah. or, or have one of the stormtroopers uh, unveil themselves and have Mickey Mouse as the, as the, as the creature underneath or something, you know. I know, that's, 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 that's totally, <laughs> totally out there. But um, anyway, I, I also want to say, uh, I want to thank you for having me today. Hey, and, my pleasure. And I, I want to tell your audience that, that I, I know Eric really well, and he's, he's, he is a Jedi <laughs> in his own way. Um, he, he's a, he is an advocate of truth, and he, he's willing to take on the forces of darkness to bring the truth to you um, at his own um, maybe security in some ways, uh, you know, putting that on the line. But that's that's what heroes do. Heroes put it all on the line. They get out on the edge. There's there's no bravery from the safety of your lazy boy chair. 
you know, and, and we can all be heroes. And, and this is something else I want people to take away is we're all Jedis. We all have the potential to be a Jedi. Yeah. We also have the potential to be a Sith warrior if we go that way. Exactly. And, and we always have to fight the darkness um, away from our door. And we all know it's there. We all know it. You, you know it. You feel it. But sometimes that's the easy way to go. That's what Yoda said. You know, the force of the darkness is the easy route. Yeah, it's so it's, easy to be dark, uh, and it's harder. It's harder to, to take the the route of the light, but you have to do it. You have to go there because it's, you know, your soul is on the line, basically. With that said, um, I'm 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 humbled and I'm flattered um, by what you just said. Um, I don't say that lightly. I, I, I wouldn't say that about many people. I appreciate I appreciate that, but the one thing that I have to say is we you need to come back we got to talk about this book that you brought with you it's not your book that you wrote um it's very unusual to see an author who really digs a book um what's the title of this book again it's called use the force uh, a jedi guide to the law of attraction um i've never i've never seen an author um, hype somebody else's book quite the way that you did. What we're going to have to do is um, uh, let's give it a month after this movie mm -hmm. has been in the theaters. Let it sink in a little bit. Let's get you back in here and I want to talk about a lot of the other things that we talked about because we could do a half hour show or an hour show on so many of the other things that we talked about. Mm -hmm. There's so many topics to, to that sort of all funnel into the same they all funnel mindset. In. Because I could, I could do an entire hour again on the Kennedy assassination. Mm -hmm. I can do an entire hour on things like Roswell and alien sightings, and what is that all about? We could do, we could do an entire hour on, on just on Oswald. Yeah, and what his role was. Who was Oswald? Yeah, exactly. We could do a whole thing exactly. on that. So anyway, um, once again, this has been Walt Schnabel, author of the book Blood Club, and he is working on a sequel. Um, Blues Club. Blues Club. And what I'm going to ask you to do is check out the index page for this webpage for all the show links. We are going to link to all the things that we had talked about before. And I cannot say this again. Thank you, Walt Schnabel, for joining us. Thank and you, Eric. We are going to have you again real soon. Thanks. The Fedora Chronicles radio show was brought to you through the great support of all of our listeners through a couple of different ways. You can keep this podcast alive by sending donations to our PayPal account, paypal.me slash Fedora Chronicles. You can also use this as a way of communicating with us and letting us know what you would like your ad to sound like and the specific copy you would like us to read. You can support us via Amazon. Click any of our shop at Amazon links and then shop the way you always do. Products will come right to your door. You save a ton of cash at no extra cost to you. We'll get an affiliate bonus just for pointing you in their direction. It's a trilogy of win for everybody. You can buy your own Fedora Chronicles radio show merchandise by going to zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. We have dozens of products already up with more on the way. We even take special requests. If you have an idea for our product, you can always contact us via Twitter, Facebook, or on the forum. You can subscribe to the Fedora Chronicles radio show via iTunes, either by clicking our link on our webpage or by searching for us there. We're also featured on Player FM and many other podcasting listening services. 
The music for this podcast can be found on our index page. Just go to thefedorachronicles.com slash podcast, choose the link to the specific show's individual page, and you will find all the information about the specific show there. It's also a great way to catch up on past shows. Once again, that web page you want to look for is thefedorachronicles.com slash podcast. Finally, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, and then obviously the Electric Speakeasy Forum. Give us a shout via social media. We love hearing from you. So with that said, until next time, this is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off. Keep your chin up and your fedora on.